everyone, and welcome to Phaeology, the study of Fire Emblem Heroes. My name is Phil, and I'll be your Phaeologist today, and joining me is Grepstein. How are you doing today, Greps? Wow! Oh, you surprised <laughs> me there. Whoa! <laughs> I didn't mean to surprise you there, um, but uh, <laughs> apparently that's the new meme going around. That's that's because of Mia, right? Yeah, that is one of Mia's voice lines in... Uh... The new Halloween Mia's voice lines is just her yelling, so <laughs> people are making fun of that, and I'm surprised that even some of the Japanese players have that in English in as their name, as part of their name, so apparently word gets around across the world, so. That's that's hilarious. Um, that's too bad for those who really like Mia. <laughs> now the, the brunt of the joke, but... Yeah, I think her, her voice actress, I, I didn't really like her very much for the original Mia, but I do like her a little bit more for this uh, Halloween version of Mia. So Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's hilarious, though. But there's um, so many good lines for this Halloween uh, batch of heroes. There's a lot of really good voice acting lines. So Seriously, a lot right? Of, a lot of props go out to all the voice actors and the animators and everybody who who brings these characters to life for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think they they do take a lot of time to to make these units really nice and um you know, these units come around once a year and they've got to make them not only look good and play good but sound good as well and so uh yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to uh to relive some of these characters in a new new light uh, as they are special units. So so on that topic, of course, this episode is all about the land's bounty and the four new special Halloween units that we have already in the game. And uh, first of all, how how excited were you for for these the set of the uh, new alts to Mia, Niles, Mur, and Kagero? What were, what was your initial reaction? I, I was pretty excited for. I mean, I especially like uh, like Mur in, in particular. Uh, Mia, I like to uh, Kagero and Niles, not not as excited about just in terms of character. But I am excited that a lot of these heroes are getting their first new alt in the game. So it's funny when uh, when a, a first new alt is like an achievement that excites us because uh, it used to be just getting a new hero in the game. But now it's like, oh, well, their first alt, they've only been featured one additional time. Uh, so, but I, I do, I am excited that we have a lot of these units getting into the game for their first alt and, and I, I really do like the Halloween heroes too. So I was, you know, I was looking at the calendar when it came out, wondering if we would get a second batch of Halloween heroes for 2018. Uh, but it seems like we're not, but, uh, I, I think some people are happy about that. But w- what did you think about these heroes? Did you, were you excited about the choices? Yeah, for sure. I, I thought Mur and Mia having a second alt, uh, Niles as well, uh, was a pretty cool addition to the to the pool. But um, with Kagero getting a second alt this year, uh, another special version of herself, I was kind of surprised that they would go that route. But again, not surprised as well. Uh, I figure that she is a pretty popular unit uh, worldwide. So, um, so yeah, I, I I do like the choices and. Uh, I'm happy. I I joined that bandwagon too. I'm I'm happy to see some some of these units that aren't as as you know like top ten choose your legends popular type of units get uh, their first set of of alts, maybe even their second. So it's it's a good time. So yeah. Um, with that being said, um, in the midst of the hype of these these new units, let's go ahead and take a more calculated and analytical. Uh, 
look at some of these units, and we'll start with Witch Mia, uh, is what we'll call her, or Halloween Mia. Uh, so she is the first flying healer in the game, and her stat spread, uh, as you noted here, Greps, is very similar to Sarah's stat spread, which kind of brings some perspective to it. But, of course, she is a flyer, so things are a little bit different as far as the analysis is concerned. But her stat spread is 36 HP, 30 attack, 34 speed, 22 defense, and 28 resistance, with 150 for BST. And it's interesting to note as well that she does have the highest BST for a healer in the game, which does make sense as well because she is a flyer, and and I feel like they tend to have higher BSTs when, when it comes to that class. Um, also of note, she does have a super boon in HP, but a super bane in resistance. And if you do happen to get a resistance super bane, that does de decrease her BST bin, uh, making her drop to the 145 to 149 uh, BST bin. So, uh, Greps, what are your thoughts on Mia's stat spread? Um, and what are some optimal IVs, do you think, if, if people are shooting for that? Uh, optimal IV spread? So honestly, I don't think it's that great of a stat spread. Uh, you know, healers can probably make do with just about any stat spread if you're going to run a razzle-dazzle build on them. They're not sustaining any counterattacks, uh, especially if they have something like gravity on them as their weapon because they don't even have to worry that much about retaliation if they can get out of the way. But 30 attack is pretty low. There, We have a lot of units that have, a lot of healers that have higher attack than that, and 34 speed is decent, but there's also a lot of healers with higher speed too. So in general, and with a lot of healers, running a plus speed IV is going to be optimal for most healers. In many cases, uh, attack can also be pretty good as a boon to increase you know, attack potential and uh, often increasing healing potential too. I think plus speed minus defense is probably optimal, but if you're running a razzle-dazzle build on her, which is often the goal with a healer in the long run, uh, then pretty much any defensive stepping is going to work out just fine. So overall, I, th I think she's kind of underwhelming in terms of her stats, but she is the first flying healer in the game, which is exciting in itself. Exactly, and, and it's hard to compare her 100% you know, to another type of healer as well because of her unique class. But, but still, um, I totally agree with you. I think if you are looking for that optimal spread, making that speed a little bit higher does help out. Attack would be nice as well uh, if you're going for, uh, let's say, a pain build and you want to get some extra, a little bit of extra damage in there. But um, but yeah, so it's, uh, I, I know that like her stat, you know, being a healer is not as important as far as like, you know, stats and attack and defense and things like that are concerned. But, but still, um, nonetheless, uh, that is what we have. And so, yeah, let's move on and talk about her weapon. Uh, very interesting weapon. Um, I have to be honest, I could not read the text when I saw the video. So I had to go to Game Press to figure out what her wand said. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't either. I was like, oh my gosh, I... I, I can't I can't see it in this video, so I yeah. hope there's another way to figure out what it is. <laughs> right. So it's like I'm I'm glad that some people have better eyesight than I do, and are able to to translate that text into a a, a bigger font on Game Press. So kudos to those who did that. But uh, basically, let let's kind of summarize what her weapon does. Uh, of course, it's a 12 might weapon. Uh, it is inheritable and refinable. 
but basically it resets the special cooldown of a target uh, and foes within two spaces of the target. So from what I understand, it, like let's say you're charging down an ether, right? And the, the enemy has like two more charges until they can activate ether. That'll reset it all the way back up to five, and and the same goes for any kind of special. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. So as soon as the yeah as soon as Mia attacks, then it resets their counter back up. So yeah, that's exactly how that works. It has a really cool new um, animation involved with it too. Like it has actually, I think, two animations. It's like this wave coming over the the unit that's afflicted by this status. If if you haven't pulled Mia and you want to take a look at it, you can probably see it just by facing her in the paralog map, um, having her inflict the status upon you in the paralog map. So that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, so it has all these different effects on it um, based on that really small text. But yeah, that that's one of the important new effects. And then it has yep. a few others too. Exactly. And I guess part two or of however many parts there are uh it after this effect comes into play it then inflicts the guard effect on the the same foes the same target foe and targets uh, within two spaces of that foe uh through their next actions as well uh, very similar to trilemma as far as like the the little guard uh diagram that appears underneath the the character that got affected with this uh wand it's pretty cool um, so basically what, from what I understand, I mean, you know, for, we have to have a basic understanding of what guard is, and that basically means it adds one, uh, or how do I explain it? So like when, when someone attacks, like a foe attacks, and when they would normally get a cooldown charge for their special when they attack, uh, nothing, it's, it's like, uh, while, while there's like a minus one cooldown, the guard creates a plus one to negate that char- that cooldown charge and therefore make it harder to reach the special uh, activation. Is that correct? Yeah, basically. I mean, <clears throat> if a unit's at two cooldown charge for Moonbow and they attack, usually it goes down to one. With guard on them also, then it's not going to go down to one. It's going to stay at two. But there are some exceptions. Uh, you know, there's all these different special... Uh, acceleration skills like flashing blade, heavy blade, bold fighter, vengeful fighter. There's all these different skills that speed the uh, the cooldown count or the school, cooldown charge, I guess. Um, and so it's uh, it's kind of like adding tallies, either plus tallies or minus tallies. So normally, if you have guard and uh, you're attacking, then it's gonna you know it's plus one and minus one. It's gonna be zero, so no no change happens. But if you have let's say bold fighter and you'll get one additional cooldown, then it's gonna be back to one. So it's instead of getting the two that you would normally get for bold fighter, it's gonna just be one. So it's interesting. These these skills are kind of additive and subtractive rather than just looking to see whether they're present or not. Right. Cool. So. Um... Yeah, so I, I feel like, especially what you're talking about there, how there are so many different skills, weapons, and 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 specials, and, and what, what have you, that do deal with the special cooldown and making it faster for units, making them a lot more, a lot of units a lot more viable as well, uh, especially with those who have low attack to be able to use specials faster, and and really just um, blow people away. I, I think of like Baruka and Sheena, for example, 
who <clears throat> it might really rely on their specials to be functional as far as combat is concerned. And so f- a lot for a lot of those characters that have those builds, I feel like this witchy wand really throws a wrench into the the whole works and 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 just makes it a lot harder for them uh, to be viable. And so I feel like that gives a lot of not only uh, benefit to using Mia, but also to any healer that might want to use this weapon as well. And uh, you do note here in the in the notes grips that like there is always the choice since this is inheritable um, whether this staff this new guard um, uh, crazy guard kind of staff is worth using over some of the original staffs that we have in the game right now including like gravity or pain uh, which a lot of healers do use um, if they want to be more viable let's say in, in like arena or arena assault uh, so I want to hear your thoughts on this, Grips. Uh, how how does this witchy wand compare to some of these other staves that we're using in the game right now? Well, so I mean, my my staff of choice is Gravity Plus. If you know, given the choice of any staves in the game, uh, that's usually the one that I'm going to choose on a Razzle Dazzle Healer. But I would say, you know, this new witchy wand plus staff, it's a pretty good effect. As you mentioned, there's a lot of specials out there. A lot of units rely on their specials. Basically, most units in the game either rely on their special to do damage or they rely on doubling to do damage. And those are the two avenues to do a lot of damage in the game. And so I'd say in the arena right now, uh, you know, most people have to run high cooldown count specials if they care about arena scoring. So most people are running either Ether or Gale Force for that 500 SP special. And so resetting the cooldown count, I think, could have a pretty big impact on battle because it's such a high cooldown. Uh, it gets pretty low pretty fast on a lot of armor units because of skills like Bolt and Vengeful Fighter and Special Fighter too. But even so, you know, the cooldown count starts up high enough that I think Witchy Wand could have an impact if you used Mia in the arena. I think I still prefer Gravity Plus's complete em- em- enemy paralysis if I had to choose things. Um, and in PvE modes, I think it's a lot more useful as well. Uh, and in, in a lot of PvE modes, a lot of units either don't have specials at all, uh, or they might have like two or three uh, cooldown count specials. And a lot of the time, the computer isn't all that good at you know, triggering their specials or, or making good use of them. Or they might have defensive specials or other specials that HP-based specials when they don't have any damage done to them and won't do anything. So there's a lot of times where in PvE mode, specials aren't really going to do all that much. So I think this weapon does a lot less outside of the arena in Arena Assault. And considering that Mia has pretty low BST unless she's one of your favorite units or if you don't really care too much about arena scoring and you're just looking to have fun in the arena, I think probably Arena Assault is the game mode that you'd be most willing to use Witchy Wand Plus. I do like this staff's effect. I think, you know, it has a cool uh, animation effect in the game too. I'm looking forward to trying it more on Mia. Um, So I do think I'll use it and probably end up refining it on Mia, but I think in general, I'd still probably prefer Gravity Plus on most healers. But what about you? What do you think about Witchy Wand Plus? I think you bring up some really good points there. I think that, yeah, while decreasing the special cooldown and just completely resetting it as well can be helpful in a lot of situations but i and i do agree that it's probably more applicable in arena and arena assault uh when when you think about pve i i totally agree that like with the ai and with the 
more of the generic uh, characters that are found in those modes. It's like, I feel like you don't really need to worry about people activating their specials a lot. And another reason that I think so as well is because uh, I feel like the best way to approach some of those uh, PvE content, those really hard maps nowadays, is to go player phase. And so, and, and perhaps, you know, using like a fire sweep type of weapon or a tome, uh, something that you would use to not receive any damage in retaliation. And so, uh, gravity is a perfect weapon. Uh, mix it up with like Savage Blow in the C slot and the the seal slot, C and seal slot, to deal some damage and really immobilize the enemy, um, reposition out and be able to just take them out and pick them off one by one that way. Uh, pain as well to maybe uh, throw in some extra uh, damage in there as well. Uh, I, f I feel like those are a little bit easier to use and more effective, especially for those PV modes, as well as arena uh, you can you can definitely use them there and and get a lot of results from that. So I, I totally agree. Like I feel like uh, I feel like the witchy wand is a little bit more uh, situational. If you are going up against units that really heavily rely on their specials, and so you would see that in arena assault. If you go up against a certain team or a certain enemy, like an Ira that has Regnal Astra already ready to go and stuff. Um, or something like that, you know, then yeah, throw in Mia, throw in the witch you want, and you might be able to uh, gain the advantage there, but I guess across the board, I, I definitely see that gravity and pain are a little bit easier to use. Yeah, and, and one good point, you know, you had a good point about a lot of the PvE content, and having to use player phase a lot of the time for those, especially like these new abyssal maps, legendary hero battles, and the grand hero battles, and a lot of the times, the guy kind of cheats in the Grand Hero battles, and they already have specials charged of the game mode. So in that case, if you're using a weapon with guard, it doesn't do anything to their special. A unit will fire off their special if they have it completely charged, even if they've been inflicted with guard. The guard only impacts their, their cooldown from having a number to having the special like symbol above their head. So... Um, so, you know, with these abyssal maps where a unit, like, where a grand hero battle unit already has their special charge, it's not going to do anything there either. Whereas like gravity plus or pain plus would have an additional effect. Right. That's a good point too. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we can't forget that the AIs usually cheat <laughs> on those maps and, and start off with, uh, specials already ready to go. So, um, thank you for pointing that out. So yeah, um, still a pretty cool weapon though. Um, it's still very different, and uh, I bet it's a lot of fun to use. So let's talk about her skills as well, and uh, spoiler alert as well, uh, you mentioned here that there aren't any new skills whatsoever uh, for any of these units. Nothing was like power crept as far as, you know, like a new level of, of skills or a new type of skill in general, something that only applies to a certain character. Everything was pretty pretty neutral and pretty basic. Uh, so that I, th I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, well, so there are a few new skills on the banner overall, but no new. I don't think there are any new families of skills, but but Mia yeah, doesn't. That's, that's what I meant, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but Mia doesn't have any new skills at all. All of her, I mean, aside from her weapon, which, I, you know, 
or excluding that from skills. But aside from her weapon, she doesn't have any skills that are unique to her. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I, I had to, you know, look up speed res bond as one of her skills. Spoiler there uh, that we're about to talk about that. But that, you know, that previously came, came on Spring Kagero uh, several months ago. For a second, I thought, oh, maybe uh, I, I like looked it up and then I was like, oh, that's cool that Kagero has that skill twice on two different seasonals, but oh no, that was uh, that was Halloween Mia that had that skill, not yeah. Kagero. So, <laughs> but yeah, so I I was actually shocked. I I was expecting for sure to see a level four skill on somebody on this banner. So it's kind of interesting. I wonder if they're not going to release those on seasonal units or if they're just uh, going to tempt us in other ways, like uh, <clears throat> 180 BST units. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they're going to do that again. Uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> right but uh yeah so i i guess there is uh some temptation to to summon on this banner but it's not necessarily for some of these skills uh actually uh, at least not for mia uh she does come with recover plus heavenly light uh speed res bond that you were mentioning before that was found on spring kagero before and hone flyers uh so once again hone flyers comes out on a five-star exclusive hero. It has not been released into the pool as uh, as a four-star exclusive. Um, uh, and yeah, it's a, she's the fifth unit to have Hone Flyers. Um, most of them are, are found on, on seasonal units anyway. Uh, Hone Flyers, the skill, is found on that. And so, so yeah, that's what she comes with. And um, yeah, if... Do you have anything to say about these skills before we talk about how they do in their simulations? Just that it's crazy that Hone Flyers isn't available at four stars, considering I think every other, um, well, I guess some of the dragon emblem skills are five star locked because several of the dragons are five star locked. But aside from dragon skills, I think every other, you know, flyer, cavalry, uh, armor buff is available in the four star pool. Maybe goad armor still isn't. I, I think did that come on? I think that might have been available on Love Abounds Elliewood. I, I don't know. I might be wrong on that, but I feel like we have pretty much all of the emblem buffs that you could possibly want available in the four star pool. And somebody posted a build on Reddit like a month ago with a flyer with, uh, I think, like attack wave as their C slot skill. And I was getting ready to respond like, well, I, I generally don't like uh, wave skills on units that can use emblem buffs, considering how available emblem buffs are. And then I was like, oh, wait, flyers isn't available like at, at four star rarity. <laughs> so I'm totally wrong on that. So but yeah, so that's disappointing. And that needs to happen at some point. But I guess they're just holding on to that yeah. to make a little additional money from everybody. Yeah. You know, for those who really like uh, Flyer Emblem, then uh, that's one source of income for IS. So, yeah. Uh, so speaking of which, let's let's talk about some builds and, and matchups and how well these characters did in the simulation. I'll go ahead and kind of tell you guys how what I found as far as her base kit, free-to-play option kind of build set worked in the simulation and of course we're, we're talking about a healer here uh, I, I feel like this simulation like with combat where an enemy retaliates right back after is almost uh, unrealistic sometimes because if you do want to use the healer you probably want to use them uh, and reposition them out especially if she's a flyer uh, you could easily re reposition them out or or make them uh, run away uh, without having to get hit by some of these units because yeah you know she's pretty weak and so so 
taking that into account, um, this is how it went. So I I gave my Mia um, attack boon and defense bane to, just to see what uh, what kind of damage she could do with more attack. Um, gave the witchy wand the dazzling staff uh, refine and kept her base kit the same. In st- but in the B slot, I, I gave her a breaker skill. I gave her sword breaker, and I found that that uh, gave her a lot of combat potential there and attack plus three in the seal slot. Uh, and so, so yeah, once again, I had Mia attack back-to-back, uh, back or uh, just to see how much damage she could do if she was the only one attacking and not receiving any retaliation, uh, from especially from melee units, like in the next phase, if they were, if you just left Mia there and they came by and, and attacked her right back. Uh, I took that out of the equation and just made it so that Mia would attack and somehow be away from the enemy and not receiving any retaliation unless they had Distant Counter or uh, were a ranged unit. And so what I found with um, with the player phase and having her attack two times in a row, I didn't go for three or four, I thought that it's pretty reasonable to have Mia attack at least twice, uh, either in one round with a dancer or uh, in, in a around with, in general, with the enemy. And she got up about 56% uh, of the KOs um, in that mode, and she, and that was without, like, Hone Flyers applied to her, not, uh, let's say you had Hone Flyers on a teammate and applied those buffs to her. Uh, she would jump up to 84% uh, with that, and so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, once again, it's kind of hard to gauge how well the guard affects uh, play out with her weapon. I mean, yeah, I feel like it's very situational and, and could yield different results in different situations, but just in a raw form of just combat, I thought she did pretty well. If, if you did add some buffs to her, of course, uh, 84% is nothing, uh, nothing to dismiss. And so, uh, yeah, with her free to play build, um, as far as combat is concerned, I thought she was able to do pretty well for a healer and uh, and still has the added effects of being a flyer, being very mobile, uh, being able to heal other people, of course, and and having her witchy wand apply guard uh, effects to the foe, which can be useful in certain situations. So that's what I found. Uh, Greps, I'll turn it over to you f- uh, for some more creative builds. Well, honestly, I just learned something from your analysis there that I never realized before. I didn't realize that uh, healers could use breaker skills. So when you said that, I just looked it up to make sure that was correct. And sure enough, they can. Um, (laughs) I have never put a breaker skill on a healer before. And I think that's not a bad option for a budget build um, at all. So interesting. I had never realized that before. So I mean... Yeah, it was it was available as an option on the simulator, so yeah, and, and I, <laughs> I just I just kind of went with it, and turns out it's it's kosher. So cool, yeah. I just looked in the game, and there's no restriction for breaker skills putting them on healer. So that's interesting. I mean, most of the time, you'd if you had wrathful staff or dazzling staff, you'd probably want that if you had that available. But since those are a lot more difficult to get, I, I think breaker skills are not not a bad way to go as a good budget option for a healer. So interesting, cool build there. Yeah. 
So taking a look at a build, trying to reach Mia's full potential with her default weapon. I'm not going to switch it out. Um, you know, I think Witchy Wand is a good enough staff. It has a good enough effect that I think a lot of people are going to be using it as opposed to switching for something else. Um, but who knows, you know, if, if you have your favorite staff, you can use that too. But considering a Witchy Wand plus staff that gets refined and running her with a Razzle Dazzle build, so it doesn't matter which skill you refine it for as long as it's the opposite of whatever B-slot skill that you give her. Uh, and then I still feel like attack speed bond is the best a slot skill for healers. I think it's definitely a good one for a flying healer too. Um, but I know some people prefer attack speed push if they had the choice between those two skills uh, as an a slot skill. For a C slot skill, I think you have a lot of different ways to go. Hone Flyers, it's kind of hard not to run that if you're running a fire team because Hone Flyers is so rare. So I, I wouldn't blame anybody for running that. Uh, I think Guidance is a great skill to run if you're using her on a mixed team. Uh, but any real like support skill can work just fine on Mia. Drive Attack or Drive Speed or just any support skill is probably going to work out just fine for her. And then I gave her a speed plus three sacred seal in the mass dual simulator. And I ran her with a plus speed minus defense uh, set of IVs. And so unlike for the way that you did things, I, I didn't have her attacking twice. Uh, but I did just take a look at how she did in the player phase, assuming, you know, as a razzle dazzle build, she's not going to want to get hit in the enemy phase at all. And uh, she's not going to be losing any of these combats because I'm just looking at one player phase attack from her. So with attack speed bond active, and if she's receiving hone fire buffs from an ally, then she won 71% of matchups in, uh, in one round. So that's pretty solid. Uh, but it, it is pretty also kind of situational because it does require attack speed bond to be active and she needs to be getting a hone flyers buff which is a tricky buff to receive since uh you know there's only a few units that have that skill and then with just flyer buffs but without attack speed bond active she drops down to 45 percent so that does make a pretty big difference uh, when she doesn't have uh, attack speed bond active in combat and then kind of switching things around with the flyer with a, with a attack speed bond active, but without the fire buffs active, then she gets 40% of kills. So just about the same. And finally, without fire buffs or with uh, without attack speed bond active, then she drops down to 7% KOs. So uh, it does make a pretty big difference having attack speed bond active and getting uh, hone flyers for her. So that is something that's really important if you want her to be good at combat then she needs to have an A-slot skill that's functioning for her, and she needs to have other allies able to give her Hone Flyers, which kind of stinks because she comes with Hone Flyers, so it might be a little bit harder to do. So let's take a look at uh, ratings for her. And so looking at Gamepedia, they have placed Mia as the best healer in the game, and they have her in the S-plus tier. She's the only healer in the S-plus tier on Gamepedia, so... Are you surprised to to see that, or or do you think that is is justified for her, Phil? I actually am surprised to see that. I I think Mia is good because of her mobility and because of her uniqueness. But um, I was kind of surprised. I th I thought that Veronica or Maribel would be uh, placed higher than Mia, actually. But um, I guess you know they know what they're talking about in Gamepedia, so. Uh, that's, that's, you know, that, that could be true. 
I don't know, but I I was surprised. Yeah, I was also surprised. Um, I you know, there's nothing wrong with me at all, and having a a flying healer is something that I think we've waited for for quite a while at this point. The game's been out for over eighteen months, and we haven't had one up to this point. But um, you know, I don't. I just don't think her stats are all that great. Even though her mobility is fantastic, she can achieve emblem buffs. She's not limited by trenches. You know, there's a whole bunch of things in her favor compared to some of the cavalry healers. But uh, you know, she doesn't have a, a PRF staff like Brave Veronica does, and her stats aren't nearly as good as you know Marybelle, Elise, and Veronica too. So uh, kind of interesting. But uh, you know, we'll have to see. If a lot of people end up using Mia more, um, if she becomes popular healers and exclusive healers anyway, she will be difficult to obtain. But rating wise, I give Mia a 4.5 out of 5. I, I'm really excited that we have our first flying healer in the game. She's a fantastic support unit, one of the best support units. I'll be using her a lot in the future to build up and train uh, new units when they're released in the game. And, you know, she's one of the best healers, no doubt, because of her mobility. And I'm, I'm definitely excited to use her staff a little bit more and see how I can make the most of it in the arena. Uh, even though I think I'd be plus, I, I am, as I mentioned before, going to refine Witchy Wand on her because it's unique and it seems good enough uh, to justify its use. So, you know, as I mentioned, she doesn't get a, four, a 5 out of 5 for me or higher than a 4.5, mostly because of her stat spread. There's seven healers in the game right now that have at least 30 attack, what is, which is what she has. And there's at least six that have 34 speed. So I think Intelligent Systems has given themselves some room to make a better flying healer in the future. But I, you know, I wouldn't be too concerned that there's going to be another one released in the next couple weeks or anything. Uh, it's taken them so long to come out with one. And even a lot of the other really rare like unit classes in the game, like armored mages or armored archers and things like that, we get them at a really slow pace and they tend to be seasonal. So I think it's probably going to be a while before we see the second flying healer. So if uh, if you want a flying healer and but you're not you're like me and you're not too impressed by her stats, this might be your last chance to get a flying healer on this banner for at least a couple months. Uh, it also makes her more expensive that she doesn't come with Wrathful or Dazzling Staff natively. So it's expensive to build her to become a, ra a ra Dazzle healer. So, uh, you know, she does have some good fodder. Her staff could be worth foddering. Hone Flyers is definitely worth foddering. But are you willing to sacrifice a, a Halloween Mia to sacrifice a skill like Hone Flyers? So, uh, you know, we'll have to see. Do we have to wait till Halloween 2019 to get our first armored healer in the game? Uh, or, you know, I thought maybe we'd get another Halloween banner in a couple weeks, but who knows? Maybe we'll get uh, a Christmas uh, stat, like armored healer when when they come around <laughs> in a couple months. But they definitely seem to cut a lot of new unit classes for Halloween. Yeah, seriously, they they tend to expand a lot uh, during these last couple of, of seasons of the year. And uh, yeah, I'll throw out my opinion there as well. Uh, good points made by you, Greps, too. I, I totally agree. 4.5 out of 5 for me as well, uh, for everything that you said. I I feel like Veronica as a healer is better because I think her stat spread is better. I think that her ability to build with a Razzle-Dazzle effect is better. It's easier to do so because she comes with it natively. And I feel like she has a little bit more versatility with her weapon. Uh, it's, it's a little bit easier to use as far as straight-up buffs and debuffs are concerned. Uh, healing as well uh, is really nice with her. So uh, 
there is the barrier of being a cavalry unit. So, but I, I, I still think that you could apply the same emblem buffs to, to Veronica as you could to Mia. And being a cavalry unit still has its perks with movement, uh, in addition to flyer, flying units. Uh, a little bit different, but still uh, there are some good options there for movement. So, so yeah, solid 4.5 out of 5 for me, but in my opinion as well, I, I think that there are better healers in the game right now, Veronica included. So, um, yeah, so that is our discussion on Mia, and let's turn it over to Kagero. Uh, Greps, would you like to take the lead on this unit? Yeah, let's talk about our beverage ninja, who is dressed up as a maid. Uh, I, I'm really having trouble. Every time I see her, I think it's Felicia, uh, and it doesn't help that Flora just came out recently also, so we have all these people dressed up as maids. And exactly. it, it, it also doesn't help because of how she's dressed and just what her unit looks like. I keep forgetting that she's an armor unit too. So, uh, right. You know, clearly intelligence systems can choose at the last minute, what type of like, what class of units to make everybody. It doesn't have to do anything with how they look and they can just choose whatever, whatever unit class they want to try to make an extra buck if they want to. So, right. <laughs> so this, uh, Halloween Kagura, she's the second green dagger unit after the Hashidan Festival Olincia that we got a couple months ago. And she's the first dagger armor unit in the game. So just like Mia, we have a totally new class of unit in the game here. Uh, her stat spread is 41 HP, 38 attack, 21 speed, 32 defense, and 33 resistance. So she is a really good mixed tank, and she has min-maxed her stats really well with high attack, in low speed as an armor unit, that's a really solid stat spread in my opinion. And ultimately it comes out to 165 BST. She has no super boons. She does have a super bane in HP. And the super bane in HP will impact her arena scoring if that is the bane that you happen to pull. So I would say that a plus defense minus speed IV set is probably optimal for her. Plus attack minus speed is also just about equal, uh, just about as good, if not maybe uh, some some cases it might be a little bit better depending on the weapon that you're running on her. But do you have any thoughts about her stat spread or her IVs? Well, I think that she is spread very well. Uh, I, I really like the mixed tank uh, uh, spread that she has as well as her really high attack. And so, yeah, I think she is the typical armor unit that just has really good stats out of the box. And yeah, those those IV spreads are or what I would prefer on my unit if I had a Kagura myself. So, yeah. Cool. Well, so the weapon that she comes with is Bottle Juice Plus. And, of course, this is, uh, you know, this is just juice in this drink. We, we don't know what else it, it could possibly be. <laughs> um, it's a 12-might weapon. And it, it follows this banner where it inflicts guard on the target plus foes within two spaces of the target. And as all dagger units get in, uh, if they have a refined weapon, Kagura gets this with her weapon. Uh, without the refinement is she's able to debuff the target and foes within two spaces of the target by seven to their defense and resistance after combat. And it is, of course, inheritable and refinable. Any, any thoughts about this weapon or its effects? Well, I think there must be something in that that juice that causes the guard effect and and all. So, uh, yeah. So who knows what what she's throwing around? But uh, 
so my thoughts on, on this weapon and as well as the other weapons that are released that have the theme of guard in their weapon i think it's it's a it's a great weapon i i feel like guard is one of those skills nowadays that does have a niche that a lot of people are using you know they may not use it as much as say desperation or quick repost or the fighter skills as well um and i i think there are some perks having it in weapon form if you have a really tanky unit uh take like naui and adult tiki i was just looking earlier this morning their optimal builds or some of their better builds include guard as the b slot skill and so uh, very useful, especially if you have a really tanky unit in the enemy phase. And, of course, that does apply to these uh, armor units as well. And so I think it fits Kagura really well, uh, as well as the other units that we'll talk about that are armored, that have really good mixed defenses, low speed, and they are able to use um, guard and open up their B-slot for either, uh, if you're playing a little bit cheaper, to and if you don't have access to it, quick repost. Or if you want to, you know, Bold Fighter, which she does come with natively, uh, and using Quick Repost in the Seal slot is also an option to have that option in, in both phases. And so, yeah, I think these are really good weapons, and I think that they really fit the play style as well uh, with the units that they come with. So I'm a fan. All right. And do you think if you walked into a juice bar, you had to choose between Halloween Kagero's bottled juice and Summer Camilla's juicy drink, which one do you think you'd choose? You know, I, I was thinking about this for a while, and I think it all depends on the delivery. So when Camilla uses her her juicy drink, it kind of just like splashes over you, and I, you know, it's it's nice and cool and refreshing. Whereas with Kagero, she kind of just throws the bottle at you, and so to avoid you know penetrating trauma and injury, uh, I would prefer Camilla's drink. Um, I think it's a little bit safer of a choice. <laughs> How about you? You know, you have to be right about that, that the delivery certainly makes a difference. And I think uh, Kagura is just throwing the bottle at you. But, uh, you know, Camilla's drink is like already out in the open and who knows what might be getting in there. And at least Kagura's bottled juice, it seems to be sealed up. So uh, good point. You know, at least she's not trying to poison you, I, I think. Or maybe she's just, you know, she is a ninja. So maybe that's maybe that's how she does her damage on you is that. She makes you think that there it's pretty innocent juice, and it it turns out to be poisonous. <laughs> right. So we literally have to pick our poison here. Uh, <laughs> so it does seem that um, way. <laughs> so maybe don't yeah. drink either of them if if uh, if you don't have to. <laughs> exactly. But you you do bring up a very poignant question there. So yeah, it is a debate that, that will rage on for the ages. Yes. So uh, in addition to <laughs> that, you know, Kagura has a lot of other weapons that she has access to. I think the dagger pool has really expanded recently. Uh, you know, we have the Mayogi weapons and the Dark Uchiwa weapon with effectiveness over different classes of units in the game. And, you know, unlike Poison Dagger, which has really low might and can't be refined, those weapons can be refined. We also have Barb Shuriken, uh, Lethal Carrot as a loadout type of weapon, even though it's hard to get a hold of. So we have a lot of different uh, daggers to consider on Kagero. So it could be fun if you're if you like using daggers in uh, in Fire Emblem Heroes, then it's definitely worth considering which dagger might work best on her. 
So let's take a look at Kagero's skills that she comes with. So she comes with Draconic Aura, which is pretty solid considering that her attack is so high. And she also has an attack boosting C-slot skill. So I think Draconic Aura is not a bad way to go for her skills. She comes with Bold Fighter, as you mentioned, which is perfect considering her really low speed. And she is the fifth unit in the game to come out with Bold Fighter. There is once a time hard to get a hold of Bold Fighter, and it still is difficult. But if you want it, it seems to be coming out a lot more than it used to be. So uh, it's a lot easier to get a hold of than it once was. And then she comes with a new C-slot skill, which is even attack wave. And it's the final wave skill that we have in the game. So we have all eight wave skills at this point. Uh, who knows where they'll go if they have any other wave skills in mind or if this is the last one that we'll see. Uh, basically, you know, my opinion on wave skills is even and odd skills are basically interchangeable. Uh, but it is kind of cool that if you wanted to and you you had all the units to be able to do this, you could run even an odd attack wave and even an odd speed wave on the same team, even though I think there's a more efficient way of getting attack and speed buffs with tactic skills or emblem buffs or something like that. But uh, Phil, why don't you walk us through a free-to-play build that would work really well for Halloween Kagero? Sure. So, uh, boons as far uh, boons and banes. Uh, I gave her attack boon and speed bane, uh, and I gave the attack refine to her native weapon, and uh, basically kept her kit the same, but added the def defense ploy um, seal and ha had that activated in the simulator uh, due to her high-ish resistance. And so, uh, I thought she did pretty well. She had 75% in the player phase without um, even attack wave activated. Uh, she, she did have a harder time with units like Adult Tiki and Zelgius, and also uh, like the Green Hectors, one build of Brave Hector as well. But, but in all, she did was able to KO over half of the red units that she went up against, 56% to be exact. Um, and thinking about the guard effect as well, uh, it, it's unfortunate because like when I think of guard uh, affecting units, I think of those units with really good special effects like Zelgius and Ira. Unfortunately, she doesn't do well against Zelgius because of, of course, he's a red unit and very tanky. But out of the four Ira builds, uh, she was able to defeat two of them while well, she did lose two uh, to two, so it was split even. Uh, so she was able to at least take on a few versions of Ira, uh, depending on the build. But all in all, she did very well against green and blue units. Uh, and so if we were to jump her attack up and, and activate uh, even attack wave, she got up to 87% in the player phase. And she was able to defeat all the Iras that are mentioned here in the simulator. She did much better against the Hectors as well. Still struggled against Adult Tiki and Zelgius, but all in all, 87% is a very good percentage, I think, in the simulator. And so I was pleasantly surprised of, on how well she was able to do with her base kit. And so... Uh, yeah, how did how did she do with a different type of build, Grabs? Yeah, so I looked at a couple of different builds on her. I started off with a close counter build uh, because her defenses are so strong. I think she's a pretty good candidate for close counter. And so I kept Draconic Aura on her, though Bonfire, I think, does almost exactly the same amount of damage. Uh, so with Draconic Aura, close counter, and then 
continuing with the rest of her default kit with bold fire and even attack wave as her C slot skill and quick repost as her seal. Uh, I found on even turns when even attack wave was active, she won 53% of her matchups in the enemy phase and 76% in the player phase that, that were initiated in the player phase. And this actually surprised me a little bit. 53% seemed a little bit low in the enemy phase to me, considering that she had a skill like close counter that allowed her to, to attack everybody twice. I was a little bit surprised, but I think maybe she loses a lot of these combats in the enemy phase because her speed is so low that every unit is practically going to be doubling her. So uh, a lot of red units are going to be taking her out and probably a fair amount of green units, uh, especially if they have, uh, you know, if they have like bold fighter or something like that, they're going to be taking her out as well. So that was a little bit disappointing for how she did with really expensive skill like Close Counter and what I thought was going to be an optimal kit for her. So I tried instead giving her Close Defense as her seal instead of Quick Repost. Now I'll be doubling anybody in the enemy phase, but it was aimed at helping her survive a little bit more in the enemy phase. And sure enough, she does do a little bit better in the enemy phase with this build and even a little better when she initiates in the player phase with this build uh, in increasing her survivability in the enemy phase once she takes an attack. So in the enemy phase, she went from 53% with quick repost with the last build that I talked about up to 64% with close defense. And she improved just by 2% in the player phase. So hardly a difference in the player phase, but um, so it surprised me a little bit because I would have assumed that quick repost would have definitely great seal for her. And I still think it might be, but it improves her survivability quite a bit to give her close defense. And if you really like enemy phase units, and if you had the fodder, I think she would be a better enemy phase unit out of Bold Fighter, uh, replacing that. So that way you get to free up her Sacred Seal slot and use close defense Sacred Seal alongside Vengeful Fighter. Now, that's definitely in the player phase without Bold Fighter. Uh, but it will, it, it makes her just slightly better in the enemy phase than when she has Bold Fighter. So I, ultimately, I wouldn't recommend that um, because it, it would be better in the enemy phase and it made her quite a bit worse in the, in the player phase. So I, I wouldn't go with that. But I did want to take a look into that just to see. You know, I, I have a player phase bias, so I don't always attempt these enemy phase builds and all later giving her Vengeful Fighter. And that's pretty expensive to give her something like that when she comes with such a good B-slot skill and Bolt Fighter. And then finally, I took a look at giving her Sky Myogi as her weapon and giving that a defense refinement and going with an all-out offensive build with Deathblow 4, Bold Fighter, even Attack Wave, and then Quick Repost for the enemy phase. And with this build, uh, she did just about as well in the player phase as um, with some of the other builds that I talked about, with the best builds that I talked about. She was just slightly better in the player phase with the Sky Myogi and definitely worse in the enemy phase. So ultimately, I, I think the best way to go is basically using most of her default skills. Uh, I think close counter is not a, a bad way to go for her if you have the resources to give her that. Uh, she's not a bad user of that. And then just deciding between quick repost and another sacred seal, close defense, distant defense, whatever you want to give her is maybe the harder part of how to build her. So that those are my thoughts on building Kagura. Yeah, it's really interesting how like you think about quick repost, vengeful fighter being like so OP. And if you have really low speed, then, oh, it's going to 
you know, make a unit so much better in the enemy phase, but that really low speed does affect her. Uh, and units that do have higher speed, even not by much, they can still uh, wreak a lot of havoc on, on Kagero, even with her mixed defenses. So thank you for pointing that out. That was very interesting. So Sure. So taking a look at her rating on Gamepedia. So Gamepedia has placed her in their A-plus tier, which is the lowest tier of any of the Halloween units. Um, just to spoil that for you. So that is where they placed her. And personally, I am giving her a 4.5 out of 5 rating. I wasn't really expecting too much from an armored dagger unit. And I was actually pleasantly surprised in my own use of her. I, I was pleasantly surprised at how easily she was able to take out other units uh, because of how high her attack is. I think that is being so high really helps her out. Uh, and then having bold fighter and even attack wave, those things help her attack even more. And as I mentioned, her, her stats are really nicely min-maxed. Uh, she reminds me of Winter Tharja in terms of what her stat spread looks like. And her defensive stats are practically even, so she's a great mixed tank and she can take on uh, some dragon units sometimes, I think, because of that even stat spread for her defenses. So overall, I think she's a solid unit. Uh, up against some of the best units in the game, though, uh, you know, she she competes with the best units in the game for a green armor slot on your team. And I think given the recent BST creep, you know, she has 10 to fewer, 10 to 15 fewer BST points than some of the melee armor units that we've gotten recently. And she doesn't have access to a preferred weapon. A lot of green units do. So I think uh, targeting a foe's defensive stat is a big disadvantage for her as a ranged unit. Um, you know, the average armor is seven higher defense than resistance in their base stats. So I think most people also, if given the choice, they would choose a minus resistance copy of an armor unit over a minus. So that means the, the, sp the split between defense and resistance for armor units is probably even higher than seven. So that makes a big difference. And we don't have something like a brave dagger, but if we did have a brave dagger, that would be the same as, uh, as a brave bow, essentially. I don't know how that would be much different aside from giving debuffs. So um, anyway, I, I think she's a strong unit because of her high attack, but I think as a ranged unit, impacting D make a difference. Uh, what would you say about Kagro and how, how highly would you rate her? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like having that ranged ability kind of gives her a, a little bit of a, a disadvantage compared to the other green armor units that we have in the game, namely Hector Grima and Ephraim. So, like, I originally gave her a 4.75 out of 5, but after listening to your analysis with the simulations and especially with close counter, thinking that, you know, if she does have bold fighter, if she had close counter and quick repost, then, then she could uh, work really well in both phases. But, um, yeah, I, I feel like just being being that dagger unit and, and being a ranged unit, it, it really makes a difference, I think. And it, um, uh, like I, I wish she did well, but I wish she would have done better, uh, having that, uh, enemy phase ability there. But I think she does really well in the player phase regardless, uh, thanks to her bold fighter and, and thanks to even attack wave as well. She comes with some really good skills there. I'll, I'll give her a 4.5, just like you did. Uh, she's still very solid. I think, though, uh, if you're looking for a good green armor to summon for, it's 
probably better to go with Hector anyway. I think he comes with some really good. Sk- he's he's got all those good skills depending on which type you're going for, plus uh, distant counter, which can be very useful uh, as opposed to close counter. And yeah, I I think he's just a little bit of a better unit than Kagero is, but she's still very good. So uh, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. So uh, let's move on to our third unit, Devil Niles. Uh, he is the second blue archer in the game, uh, right after Legendary Lucina, and the very first non-legendary colored archer uh, being blue. So he also is the fastest armor unit and ranged unit in the game, and third fastest unit overall. So he does bring a lot of new things to the table as far as his class and stats are concerned. And speaking of stats, he comes with 37 HP, 34 attack, 39 speed, 25 defense, and 29 resistance all at neutral, and 164 BST. So if you wanted to potentially jump him up to that 165 to 169 BST range, you're looking for a super boon in HP and defense. However, if you get a resistance bane, that is a super bane there. So uh, we have listed as his optimal IVs plus attack, which does make sense to uh, boost up his potential there, uh, especially with the or like the typical bow uh, weapons that you would usually use. Uh, plus attack is always very helpful, and any bane very, uh, is is totally fine. So, uh, yeah. So I think he's got a pretty good spread there. Um, of course, his speed is is his main feature there. Uh, any thoughts on his stat spread? Pretty amazing that an armor unit is one of the fastest units in the game right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. It First of all, it was all the clothing that didn't make sense. And now, now we're messing with the stats and it's, it's kind of weird to see, but... Um, yeah, so moving on to his weapon, we have Devilish Bow. Uh, it's an inheritable and refinable weapon at 12 might, and once again, it inflicts the guard on target, uh, plus the two foes within two spaces of target. So the, the normal guard effect that these seasonal weapons have. And as far as skills are concerned, he comes with Smite. Uh, it's been a while since we've seen anyone come with Smite. Uh, but the reason being is he does come with a new... A version of Link, attack speed Link. Uh, well, of course, he comes with Swift Sparrow, but I want to talk about his B skill first. And um, so, of course, this is a new version of the skill. And just to, as a reminder of what Links do, uh, after a unit it uses or is used by a movement skill, so if someone smote uh, Niles or repositioned him, then uh, he would get plus attack and speed added. Um, to combat, and so that is very, very nice. Uh, you mentioned here that uh, this new skill is very good for someone like Legendary Lucina, um, and uh, and just to finish up, what else he comes? He comes with Fortify Armor, and 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 uh, once again, Swift Sparrow as well. But as far as the new Link's skill is concerned, and and the weapon as well. What are your additional thoughts on on what he comes with, Reps? Uh, well, when we talked about Link skills in a previous version of Future Data Mine, this was the one that we thought was probably the best in the game. Getting plus six to attack and speed is just really strong. Uh, and at this point, now we have three Link skills. We have attack speed, we have attack defense, and we have defense resistance. Defense resistance is a pretty good... Actually, all three that have come out, I think, are probably, probably the best three. 
Uh, actually, we have, uh, I think we have speed resistance too. Didn't we get that on Nina? So, or, hmm, why do I feel like maybe that was a different skill now that I'm thinking about it? Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, no, that was, that was, uh, speed resistance link. Now I definitely remember that because people were talking about how you could use attack defense link and speed res separate units that you could activate all four of them at the same time with one movement assist. So that's kind of a cool use of two different link skills yes. at the same time. But attack speed link is a really strong link. As you mentioned, I think it's really good on legendary Lucina. I don't think there are any other units that really stand out to me as being a great target to receive this skill or to be involved with this skill. Uh, other than just saying flyers in general, I think are really good units to give link skills to because of their mobility. Uh, it's easiest for them to activate these skills, whether they have the skill themselves or whether they're activating it on another unit that has these skills. So uh, those are my thoughts about this skill. And it is exciting to to get this skill in the game. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, very applicable and uh, glad to see this this new link skill in the game. And so let's move on to some builds and matchups here. Uh, free-to-play version of Niles. He uh, So when I went through the simulator, I gave him the attack boon and HP bane, uh, for your information. Uh, the attack refine as well. I, I would I, You don't have to do it in the simulator, but I would replace smite with something like swap reposition, just for ease uh, of use. And I also gave him moonbow and kept his base kit the same and gave him the flashing blade in this seal spot. So, uh, in the player phase, he did get 72% of, the, of KOs. Uh, had a hard time against green units, uh, but he did very well against his color advantage and his same color in red and blue. So, I, I did a little bit of um, mixing and matching as well. I switched the attack speed link. Oh, and of course, 72% with attack and speed link uh, activated. So, I, I switched that skill with desperation just to see what would happen. And I got pretty much the same percentage as before, 72% with Desperation activated. And without it activated, I, I was surprised to see that he didn't really improve um, in difference between Desperation not activated and activated. And so I thought that was very interesting. And he also had pretty much the same percentage when I gave him like a Hone Armor Emblem buff as well. So... Uh, I think he's very consistent there. He he almost reaches three quarters of KOs across the board of, of units that you might more likely see in the game right now. And so I, uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I'm very interested in to, to hear about what you did to make Niles a little bit better, um, if, if he did get better at all, actually. So uh, because I found him very consistent with his his base kit. Yeah, so I took a look at him with a Brave Bow. I think so. I looked at Game Press's page, and that is pretty much the consistent weapon that they recommend on Niles, uh, just like Halloween Jacob. And so I took a look at him with Glacies as his special, Brave Bow as his weapon. Uh, I gave him Death Blow 4. Uh, Death Blow 3 works out too, obviously. Uh, Bold Fighter as his B-slot skill. I think his C-slot skill is pretty flexible, whether you want to go with Armor March or Fortify Armor or whatever other skill you want to give him there. And then I gave him Attack Plus 3 as the Sacred Seal. And so with this Brave Bow build, uh, you know, with Bold Fighter, it's basically running in the vein of Halloween Jacob's optimal build of trying to quad everybody in sight with maximum attack. So it's building him strictly as a player phase unit. 
And with this build, he gets 73% of KOs where he initiates in the player phase. So interestingly, only 1% higher than what you found, though... You know, with your free-to-play build, you were assuming that attack speed link was active, which isn't too difficult of an assumption to make, but uh, there were no, like, assumptions. There's no conditions that have to be true with this type of a build. Um, but so he won 73% of matchups. He's not really able to beat the tankiest blue and green armor units and dragons, which is where he kind of falls flat as a blue penalized by having, you know, by being a blue archer as opposed to a colorless one. Taking a look at the same exact build with Halloween Jacob with optimal IVs, Halloween Jacob does better. He runs this build better. He has an 84% win rate with the same build compared to 73% for Niles. So that just gives you a sense of those two units that are very similar in nature and how they compare up against each other here. Um, so let's get into our ratings of Niles. Looking at Gamepedia, they placed him in their S minus tier, uh, which is actually pretty low for, you know, as far as armor units go on their tier list, not many of them are outside of the S, you know, S plus to S minus yeah. range. Um, and so ultimately, I'm going to give him a 4.5 out of 5. Not that 73% wins in the bad, not that he can't be a really strong unit with a brave bow or, you know, even with his default weapon, it seems like he can do pretty well based on what you were presenting. But, um, you know, it's just, first of all, his color definitely holds him back, and he has a tougher time against greens as a result, and that's something that Jacob doesn't have to worry about, and I think that's a big factor for me. If we didn't have Halloween Jacob in the game, then it might be easier to rate him a little bit higher as a unit, but Halloween Jacob just does it better, so that's a problem. And then second of all, I think a second thing that holds him back is that his stat distribution is less optimal than Jacob's is. His, you know, I, I know I mentioned Bold Fighter as his B-slot skill, and some people might be wondering why give him Bold Fighter when he's a unit that already has, you know, one of the high... Well, first of all, if you're giving him a Brave Bow, that is going to lower his speed by five. So that's one thing that you need to factor in. But even so, his speed could still be really high, even with a brave bow. But the issue is that he wants Bold Fighter not only to guarantee doubles or guarantee quads, really, but he also wants that special cooldown uh, acceleration effect from Bold Fighter, too, that he's not going to be able to get uh, if you give him, if you don't give him that or if you give him something different, he's not going to be able to get that. And Game Press recommends a special fighter build for him. And I'm not saying he can't use that because he does just about as well with special fighter as he does with bold fighter. But in my opinion, I think special fighter is a little bit of a riskier play for him. Uh, even though his speed is really high, if he's not able to double, then he's not or not able to quad with a brave bow. Then, you know, special fighter isn't going to allow him to do that. And, you know, he, he doesn't really care about the enemy, enemy phase effects of Special Fighter because he's not trying to target enemies in the enemy phase with uh, Brave Bow. And he doesn't care about Special Acceleration in the enemy phase that Special Fighter will give him. In my opinion, I think the two things that Niles really wants is making sure he doubles in the player phase, or quads really, and making sure he gets that Special Acceleration in the player phase. And that's what Bold Fighter does. And unfortunately, it kind of comes at the expense of his really high speed stat. So really, you could probably drop his speed stat if you got a, a plus attack minus speed IV. That's why I think that's just about the same as getting a plus attack minus HP or minus defense or whatever, because his player phase is so strong, regardless of what his bane is. Good points there. Um, yeah, I, I, 
I have to rate him the same 4.5 out of 5 for me because, yeah, I mean, he does pretty well. Uh, if you do build him with a brave bow, I totally agree that that's a lot more consistent than trying to rely on his link skill. But having that color does put him at a disadvantage compared to Halloween Jacob. And for those who are looking for that armored archer, hopefully we do get a Halloween banner rerun from last year. So you might have a chance to get Halloween Jacob because, yeah, that that ideal archered armor uh, build that you're talking about just works so well with Halloween Jacob. Um, yeah, I, I feel like even though he's a ranged unit just like Kagero is, I feel like Kagero does have, uh, did a little bit better in the simulation, has a little bit more of an advantage. And uh, yeah, so still a good unit, but not not as good as some of the other options we have out there right now, which is unfortunate for colored archers in general. But but yeah, so that's it for Niles. Uh, let's move on to our last unit. Do you want to take the lead on here, Greps? Yeah, so this is Spooky Monster Murr. She is being as spooky as she can. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> so don't be too afraid as we go over Murr's analysis here. Um, so, you know, we have our first red armored... Uh, dragon in the game here with Spooky Monster Murr. Uh, right off the heels of our first blue armored dragon in Legendary Tiki. Uh, so at this point, now we have a red, blue, and green armored dragon. So you can run all three of them on the same team now. And just like Legendary Tiki, she's also a trainee. So she has the boosted 179 BST with the potential for 180 BST if you give her a super boon and anything but her, her super bane. Uh, so she's going to be the highest scoring non-legendary unit at the moment. So that means, you know, you can give her a blessing and run with, you know, legendary heroes. She's going to be the highest scoring unit that is not a legendary unit in the game. Uh, my guess is we're going to get another 180 BST unit by the end of the year. Uh, we're going to get another trainee. Uh, it might be Amelia as another armor unit that we already have in the game that's going to get an alt maybe for Christmas or for New Year's or something like that. Uh, and I really wouldn't be surprised to see an armored colorless dragon show up. We have two colorless legendary heroes coming in November and December. I really wouldn't be surprised if one of them is an armored colorless dragon to round out the set of armored dragons. So we'll have to see what we get. Uh, some other trainees that with that don't have 180 BST armored alts are Donald, Gray, both Faze, Archer Faye and Dragon Faye, and Tobin. So who knows, maybe one of those units could show up as an armored 180 BST unit as well in the future. Oh my goodness. That, I, I can only imagine a, a Donald just like being top tier and just going toe-to-toe with Hector and, and things like that. That's just, that's just weird. <laughs> yeah, it is. But, uh, you know, that's just where we are in Fire Emblem Heroes right now. <laughs> or maybe Tobin. Maybe it'll be Tobin. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Heaven forbid. <laughs> Shut up, Tobin. (laughs) 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 Oh, boy. So anyway, uh, Spooky Monster Mert, her stats are 46 HP, 38 attack, 23, 32 resistance. As I mentioned, 179 BST at neutral IVs with a super boon. She can either choose a plus attack super boon or a plus speed super boon in order to increase her BST bin up to the 180 BST bin. And, you know, of course, you're going to prefer attack for her over speed uh, because there's really high on it. You should already know that you can pretty much mitigate the effects of low speed with all of these fighter skills. 
And in terms of Super Bane, she does come with a defense Super Bane. Uh, You're definitely going to want to avoid that, not only for arena scoring purposes, but also because of how it interacts with her weapon. So optimal IVs, I think that for combat potential, plus defense minus speed is optimal. But factoring in arena scoring, I think plus plus attack minus HP are going to be best uh, because they're going to increase her BST bin and are still really strong. So looking at her weapon, which is Spirit Breath, a new weapon in the game. It's a 16 might preferred weapon, and it gives her plus three defense because her 40 defense just wasn't high enough as it was. She needs 43 defense at neutral IVs, uh, which is absolutely absurd. So this has an interesting effect that's similar to the Green Dragon Murs effect for her weapon. And so Spirit Breath is going to do this. So if Murr's defense is at least five higher than the defense of the foe that she's facing in the player phase, she's going to get guaranteed doubles. So it's not going to reduce the attacks against her. It's going to give her guaranteed doubles, which is a really nice effect considering how slow she is. And she's also going to get adaptive damage on any ranged units that she faces. So Phil, any thoughts about this weapon of Murr's? Well, uh, it definitely follows a similar track of what she came with before in her original self. And uh, yeah, she is very, very defensive with this weapon and in and of herself, which I think is very useful in Arena right now, uh, where you are going up against a lot of units that are melee and are targeting defense. And so, yeah, Murr right out of the box comes with a very preferable stat spread and weapon. So, um yeah, nothing nothing to complain about here. Yeah, and so she comes with 40 defense at neutral IVs. If you get a plus defense copy, even though maybe that's not ideal for the arena scoring, you can get her up to 43 defense uh, with a plus defense IV, including her weapon, she gets additional three defense. If she's being run with a legendary hero during their active season that gives a defensive boost, then she can get up to 50 defense in a season, uh, you know, a legendary season where uh, a hero has a defensive boost. That's just absolutely unbelievable. And that's before even factoring in any sort of stat, any sort of skills that you might be giving her on top of that. So that is absolutely absurd how high her defense can get. I think think she might be able to be like she might be the unit that can reach the highest defense of any unit in the game um there are a few like competitors maybe like uh, eldigan or uh, lucas come to mind but she might be the unit that can reach the highest defense of any unit she's very close if not that if not the unit that can reach the highest defense in the game yeah, that is mind-boggling <laughs> yep so it's going to make it pretty easy in you know, in some cases, it's going to make it easy to activate her weapon. In the arena, it is true that, you know, you might be facing highly merged armor units that also have really high defense. And in some cases, she might not be doubling with her weapons. So it, it's not a, a, a given that she's definitely going to activate her weapon, depending on where you're using her. So let's take a look at her skills. So she comes with a new A slot skill, uh, Defense Resistance 2. Uh, So finally, we have the final dual stat skill in the game. This is a skill that we covered way back in the very first Future Datamine episode (laughs) one. But I have to say, this is kind of like a Halloween trick that it comes out on such a good unit like Murr, who's definitely not going to want to be running this skill. (laughs) Seriously, it's it's like, you know, watching your children, you know, finally grow up and leave leave the home. And uh, our very first skill that we talked about 
is finally coming out and uh yep <laughs> it's probably never going to get used even on on the unit that uh that it comes with and so it it's both a trick and a treat i feel like at the same time you know it is it definitely is so you know i mean it's not the worst skill because it is going to improve her defense which helps her offense in some ways but in most cases, you're going to want to replace this. Uh, her B-slot skill is Vengeful Fighter. So we have another unit in the game with Vengeful Fighter. She's the fourth unit in the game to come with Vengeful Fighter, uh, two of which are seasonal units. And this is a really nice B-slot skill. It, it synergizes well with her weapon because she has the potential to get those guaranteed doubles in both phases now. And for her C-slot skill, she gets Armor March, so why not give her Armor March to be able to improve her mobility and other armor unit that she's running along with. Uh, it's She's the sixth unit to come with Armor March in the game, but only two of them are in the normal main summoning pool at this point. So it's not the hardest skill to get in the game anymore, but it is still five-star exclusive and a really strong C-slot skill for armor units. So... Phil, why don't you walk us through a good free-to-play build for Halloween Mur? Sure thing. So, I and I'm really impressed with these as, or not surprised, but pleased. So, with a either defense or attack boon and HP bane, uh, I gave my Mur in the simulator Fury uh, to replace our well-beloved defense resistance too, and I gave her resistance ploy in the C slot. Uh, instead of Armor March to just, uh, uh, sorry, you, you keep Armor March, but you give her Resistance Ploy in the seal spot and have it activated. And so if the circumstances are right, she does pretty well in the player phase with 86% and 80% in the enemy phase if you replace Resistance Ploy with Close Defense as a seal. So... Uh, which is not too big of a change, but uh, she does boast some high numbers there, depending on on which phase, and which is pretty cool. Uh, how well she can work in either phase there. So, uh, what's interesting though that I want to point out is that if I replaced Fury with something that boosted her defense and and really helped her out with uh, with Bonfire. Skills like Fortress Defense, Steady Stance, any Bond skill with the defense in it, doesn't matter what the other skill, other stat is that is being boosted, she got about the same percentage as she did um, previously with Fury. So I thought that was very interesting, and, and, and it shows just how important not only boosting her defense is for actual combat and not being not taking a lot of damage, but also to activate her Spirit Breath, and so that was pretty cool. She did have a hard time with Zelgius, though, and, of course, with Zelgius, I, I feel like that's true because of his special with, with Black Luna. It's uh, the higher, de- the, higher de- the defense, <laughs> the uh, harder, harder the person falls. And so it's, uh, uh, that's really the Achilles heel of, of, of Mur there. But still, uh, she did ha- have a hard time with some of the tankier uh, Lance armor units like Harden, Brave Hector, Effie. Nally as well, and so she, uh, yeah, she had a hard time there with some of the more popular units in the game that you might find in the higher tiers of Arena, and so interesting to see how that works out. Nevertheless, uh, across the board, she did very well, um, as expected with her stat spread, and she is a very good unit with her base kit. Uh, what did you find, Greps? 
So basically, I think you have two main options for building Mer with, with a couple of variations on these options. But you just talked about the budget build with Vengeful Fighter, which is a strong way to go. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, the benefits of that, of going with Vengeful Fighter, is the B-slot skill, is you're going to get guaranteed doubles in both phases in most cases, but the problem with it is that you're going to miss out on the accelerated special charging in the player phase because you don't have Bold Fighter or anything else that's going to give uh, accelerated special charging in the player phase. So I think an alternative to this, a more expensive build, is going to give her Special Fighter as her B-slot skill and Quick Repost as her Sacred Seal. Special Fighter is going to allow her, you know, to get doubles in both phases because, well, not Special Fighter, but Quick Repost and her weapon are going to allow her to get doubles in both phases. Special Fighter is going to allow her to get accelerated specials in both phases, and it comes with a bonus of having that guard effect in both phases. So... Um, uh, I'm not surprised that she didn't come with Special Fighter as a skill, uh, because that is a skill that's exclusive to Brave Ephraim, but it would have fit pretty nicely because it has that guard effect. It would fit nicely on this Halloween banner with the theme of all the other weapons that we got. So, you know, not only is Special Fighter more of an expensive skill, but it is going to require her to use Quick Repost as a seal if you want her to be doubling in the enemy phase, which is pretty important for her. But Vengeful Fighter has the advantage of freeing up her seal slot. So, uh, you know, that's uh, those are the two basic builds that I think you can go with is, you know, sticking with Vengeful Fighter or giving her Special Fighter in Quick Repost. And taking a look at the build that I went with uh, for the enemy phase, so... In the enemy phase, I built her with Ignis as her special, Distant Counter as her A-slot skill, Special Fighter as her B-slot skill, and I think Defense Ploy is actually a good way to go. I know she's not going to be targeting defense on uh, melee units. She will be for a lot of ranged units, though. But Defense Ploy, it's, I think in a lot of cases, it's more helpful to activate her weapon's effect than it is to have her do a couple more damage. So Defense Ploy helps out quite a bit as either a C-slot skill or as a Sacred Seal, though if you're going with Special Fighter, then you need it to be a C-slot skill and not the Seal to be able to run Quick Repose too. So using this enemy phase build, I found that she was able to win 195 of her matchups in the enemy phase. And so that comes out to about 80% of her matchups in the enemy phase. Actually, it's about 90% of her matchups in the enemy phase. And she does even better when initiating in the player phase, getting uh, you know about 206 KOs. That's about 93%, I think, in the player phase. And she does even a little bit better with in the player phase with defense ploy as her C-slot skill. Now, one alternative, if you want to optimize her in the player phase and you don't want to use Distant Counter on her, which I think is maybe the best option for her, you can instead go with a player phase build, which is the same exact build, except switching out Distant Counter for Sturdy Blow. And, you know, most of the time you'd think of Death Blow as being a better option for a unit. But Halloween Murr uses Sturdy Blow very well. The plus four attack comes in handy, uh, but the plus four defense player phase comes in handy as well, being a unit that can, you know, double if she has higher defense. She's probably the best user in the game of Sturdy Blow. You would have to upgrade a, an Athena up to five stars or sacrifice a five-star exclusive unit to be able to get it. 
but it does help her be uh, it, she can get up to 218 out of those 222 KOs in the hard list in the mass duel simulator. She will win in the player phase if she has sturdy blow and defense ploy, as well as a plus defense minus speed IV. So sturdy blow is a very strong way to go in terms of an A slot skill. If you're thinking of replacing uh, defense resistance with something that's a little bit more expensive, but not something that's five star exclusive or, or on only five star exclusive units. So let's get into our unit ratings of Murr. So Murr, in my opinion, she is a really, really strong unit. It's not even that hard to, to pick out. At 179 or 180 BST units are really strong. And of course, Gamepedia places her as the second unit in this banner in the S plus tier. And I have to agree with them. I give Murr a five out of five. She's good no matter what, uh, you know, whether she's the first green flying dragon or first flying dragon in the game, or if she's the first red armor unit, she is just a good all around unit. I think her, her weapon keeps the spirit of her flying dragon weapon uh, in comparing her defense to foe's defense, and that's kind of cool how that works. I think she's a really good user of special fighter, so it is interesting that a skill that came out just about a month ago on Brave Ephraim, at the time it came out, there weren't that many good users of it, but suddenly we have Legendary Tiki, and now we have Halloween Murr as two really good units to use special fighter. And you know, speaking of Legendary Tiki, she can be run alongside Wedgewell because Legendary Tiki can give her the plus four defense if she has an Earth Blessing, if Murr has an Earth Blessing. And uh, Legendary Tiki also has With Everyone as her C-slot skill, which could give her even five more defense and resistance, which is just absolutely ridiculous. She has the potential to reach 59 defense if she's a bonus unit in the arena. Actually, no, that's not even considering uh, arena bonus stats, but she can get, reach 59 defense if she has 30 blow. Uh, and if she gets that plus nine defense from Legendary Tiki from the Earth Blessing and from With Everyone, that's just absolutely absurd. Um, so that's crazy. Uh, her biggest downsides are, in my opinion, is that she doesn't come with DC, Disencounter, or Effectiveness built into her weapon, as if she needed that, though. Uh, and she's easily countered by Legendary Tiki, who is just released in the game. Since she's a blue dragon and she is effective against dragons, she's going to easily be able to take out Murr. And since they're going to share an arena bonus season, then... Uh, a lot of people with a legendary Tiki will pretty easily be able to deal with Murs, I think, in the arena. But I just want to say, in addition to thinking that Murr is a great, uh, like a strong unit, I really love Murr as a character in the game. Uh, she's an adorable dragon. Her art is great, and I love her voice lines. And uh, Erica Lindbeck is my favorite voice actor in the game. She does all the versions of Celica and Murr, and I just think she does a great job of delivering all the lines that she does in the game. So really excited to have uh, this new version of Murr in the game. Yeah, and I, I am glad that i mean we kind of saw a another 180 bst dragon like armored unit coming trainee unit and i'm glad it's mer I, I think she is a very fun character in and of herself as well as in the game um having really high defense and and hands down five out of five for me as well uh just just how well she does in both phases with uh whether you kind of focus on one phase or another she just has absolutely great outcomes either way uh depending and even better depending on how you focus your build on her so i yeah i i think that um she's great uh 
Uh, doesn't take a lot of investment to make her great. And yeah, let's let's see what the next uh, armored legendary dragon. Maybe we'll get a, a a new Fey or something. Maybe she'll be the new legendary unit or something, colorless unit, and totally blow our fantasy picks again. You know, but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I I am also very glad to have her in uh, in the game right now. So um, talking about like some kind of concluding our thoughts, summarizing them, summing priority. Um, I'll, I'll just go ahead first and, and mention my picks. If I were to go for this banner, uh, definitely, you know, go for Mur. I think she's great for BST, for her unit as a unit herself. Uh, she's the complete package and there's nothing, nothing, you can't go wrong summoning for her and getting her. So, uh, as far as the other units are concerned, um, I would place Mia above Kagero and Kagero above Niles. I think that, um... Mia, you know, although she's not as offensive as some of the other staff users in the game, uh, she does pretty well on her own, and she comes with something unique. Uh, if you're looking at just combat priority, though, I think that Kagero does, of course, beat out Mia, uh, but I think that uniqueness uh, would place Mia above Niles either way. And so I, I think that, um, yeah, I think... If you were just looking for combat, for you know utility in the arena, straight up, uh, yeah, definitely Mur first, Kagero second. For that reason, she kind of reminds me of a, a ranged version of of Hector, maybe a little bit worse in my opinion than Hector would be, but still kind of brings something similar to the table. Niles, of course, is still great, um, but does suffer the disadvantage of color and being a bow user does require a little bit of an investment uh, to make him viable as a bow user. And so I would say priorities are, are a little bit lower, and I think that Mia might serve a little bit better in general, not only in Arena, but also in PvE content, a little bit better than Niles would. And so that's that's how I would place it. Um, and those are my thoughts on summoning priority. How do you feel about this, Grips? So I think in terms of combat potential, Murr is hands down the best unit on this banner. No question about that. For arena scoring, Murr also takes the cake. She is the best unit there as well. Thinking about fodder, I think all the units come with something that could be good fodder. But in my opinion, I think Niles's attack speed wink is probably the top fodder on this banner, at least in terms of it being new and being really useful in the game. I think even Attack Wave is a great skill, but you know, in my mind, I think that's odd Attack Wave on Ishtar Luin. So, uh, you know, I think all three of them are basically equal in terms of foddering for an Attack Wave skill, and because of that, I think it's not exactly a new skill in the game. Even though, even though it is new, it's not totally unique. Uh, she also has Bold Fighter, though, so I think that's a great skill. Uh, again, not new, but. You know, Kagero comes with some really good fodder who need an attack wave skill or bold fighter as a skill. Mia, in terms of fodder, I think her weapon is decent if you want something different for staff units, but probably not the best staff in the game necessarily. And Hone Flyers, of course, as we mentioned, is great to fodder if you can bear giving away a seasonal unit like Mia for it. And Murr's best skill for fodder, she's probably the worst fodder unit, but she does come with Vengeful Fighter, but generally that's not considered optimal on most units, even though it's really good for Murr, it's not good for most units because we do have Quick Repost as a seal. 
So considering everything, I think my summoning priority would be Mur number one, Mia number two, Kagero three, and Niles four. Uh, I think, you know, depending on where you are in the game, I think Mia or Mur could be the top priority for you pretty easily, depending on what is more valuable to you. Um, I think Kagro and Niles could also be probably interchangeable for you as well, depending on what you want. But we know that it's very likely that we're going to be getting the 2017 Halloween banner rerun not too far down the road from now. And so I'd say, you know, if you want uh, an armored archer, I think Halloween Jacob is just the better way to go. So ultimately, I, I think that Mur and Mia are somewhere. And I think Kagro and Niles are good units. Nothing wrong with them. They have good fodder. Uh, they have good combat potential, but I think they're just not as important, in my opinion, to summon for. Any other thoughts about uh, about summoning or about these units on this banner? I don't think so. I think we've covered them quite extensively. And just to wrap up the episode, let's have a costume contest. Like, let's talk about some of these costumes. <laughs> Yeah, I thought this would be a, a fun idea to to have a Halloween costume contest. And Phil, guess what? You and I have been selected to be the judges for for this costume contest. What an honor! <laughs> I'm so so proud right now. So so this is going to be a costume contest with the nine Halloween units in the game, uh, including the four from last year: Halloween Noe as a witch, How, uh, Halloween Henry as a vampire, Halloween Jacob as Frankenstein. Halloween Sakura is a Nekomata. She's, you know, one of the, she's dressed up as a cat. Uh, Halloween Murr. Uh, she says she's a spooky monster, but she has bat ears. So I think she's going as a bat, but I don't know, maybe just a general monster. <laughs> we have Halloween Niles, who is dressed up as a devil. Halloween Kagero as the maid. Halloween Mia, also as a witch. And of course, we haven't talked about him, but we are going to be getting Halloween Dorcas as a free Tempest Trial unit, and he is a Minotaur's Minotaur. So, uh, those are our nine contestants in this Halloween costume contest. Any opening thoughts about these Halloween units, and and which ones have costumes that stand out to you, Phil? Yeah, I think that we have to take into account the weapon. Uh, their native weapon in addition to their costume because I think that Halloween Jacob's weapon looks really cool. Uh, just that, that lightning bow. Uh, so he is he, he's definitely in my top three for sure uh, if I had to vote for my favorite costumes. Um, I'm throwing Dorcas there as well. Uh, I think it's a very bold move that he made dressed up as a minotaur. Um, doesn't really have to do much except put some horns on his head. But um <laughs> But I, I think that uh, Niles as well with the devil costume, I think the aesthetics there, the, the art that, that is presented there, uh, as well as just how it mixes with his personality, uh, is a very good uh, representation there. So he's definitely up there with my top three as well. So those are my, my thoughts there. What are your thoughts, Grebs? Well, I really looked at these costumes in some detail, and I won't go too much into it since, uh, you know, we have had a long episode here, and I don't want to go too long here. But I did go into quite a bit of detail looking at especially the units from Trick or Defeat's banner. And first of all, with Noe, there's just no way I could pick Noe with her costume <laughs> and still, I, I think, maintain a spot on the show as a family-friendly show here. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm not going to analyze her costume too much, but the coolest part of it, I think, is her black cat tome. It is very cool, uh, and the effect of it's kind of cool too in the game. I think Halloween Henry's costume is really cool, in my opinion. Uh, it does combine a lot of his elements from his uh, his red mage outfit, but it's actually really complex. He has like capes and scarves and a belt scarf or whatever you call that, uh, <laughs> like a bolo tie. He has the crow. He has vampire teeth. Uh, I am a little bit concerned, though, that he might have dug up somebody's coffin from a graveyard to get his costume. <laughs> I wouldn't and, put it past him, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a fine line between a good costume accessory and carrying around somebody's decaying body around while you're going trick-or-treating. So <laughs> That is not cool. So I'm not sure. You know, I, I really like his costume, but I am concerned about the means that he went to to get that costume. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have to agree with you that Halloween Jacob's Frankenstein costume is really solid. Uh, I do think maybe the tuxedo cape combo, that might be a fashion faux pas, but I think he does pull it off pretty well. He does have an ascot on like Fred from Scooby-Doo. So that is oh, yeah, kind of, that's true. That, that is a bold fashion choice there as well for his body. Cool. Some of which are only visible when he has his damaged art. So I think that's pretty, that's showing dedication to have stitches on your body in places that people can't even see just for Halloween. Wow. Um, yeah. And he has all the, the bolts and the ball and chain and everything like that. So it is definitely a cool costume. Sakura's costume also pretty complex. Um, but ultimately I think it's a lot of the males on these banners that I tend to prefer their costumes for, for whatever reason, Halloween Mer, I think as a dragon, is it the lazy costume idea to, to use your dragon wings as part of your costume? Is that like the last minute? Like I can't think of what to do. So I'm going to be a bat with my dragon wings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to have to take a point away from Mer for, for, for that. Like maybe it's creative because it's using her wings as part of her costume, but maybe it's like for dragons, maybe that's like the last minute costume that all dragons try to pull off. Yeah. <laughs> it it kind of seems like she just put a shroud over and, and called it good. Like, Oh, there we go. Uh, I do like the addition of her teeth though. I, I did notice that she does have a little bit of a bite, a little bit of a canine uh, added feature to that. So I, I do give her props for that. Yeah, I have to say Niles has a pretty cool costume too, although I'm a little concerned about a lot of his voice lines in terms of their appropriateness for this game. Um, yeah, I, I I think the rating for heroes just kind of went up a, a notch there. Yeah, is there like an <laughs> NC-17? I know it's like mature for video games. I think that's what video games are rated, but it makes me think of explicit right. rating. There's nothing explicit, but there, it's suggestive for sure. Yeah, definitely um, implying a few things there. Yeah, but definitely has a really cool costume, and his bow is pretty cool too, and... You know, it's uh, it makes nice use of his eye patch and everything like that. So cool costume there. Um, Kagero, I really don't care for her costume much. I know maybe it's more of a Japanese thing that maids and servants are like a bigger thing over there. But I really don't care for that being so similar to other units that we have in the game uh, as maids. True. And then Halloween Mia, I think her, her art is really cool. And a lot of that is really cool. I really like her art. But in terms of the costume itself, uh, I mean, it, some of the elements of it are cool using Halloween colors for it. Uh, but she is the second witch, you know, going up against Noe as a witch. It does seem to be a popular costume choice in Asker. So uh, ultimately, I think like the jack-o'-lantern that she has with her is pretty cool. But I think the costume itself doesn't really stand out for me too much. And then, of course, as you mentioned, we have Dorcas's costume, his Minotaur costume. Uh, it's 
It's a really interesting costume choice. It's definitely getting the most attention. I think if we did a poll for for listeners and for Fire Emblem Heroes players, I think uh, Dorcas would probably win in a landslide in terms of his costume. Is it really a costume just to to kind of take off all your clothes and, and put it? Yeah, it, it probably is. <laughs> He looks so funny, too. His art is so funny. Having a jack-o'-lantern and having the weapon called the hack-o'-lantern, all of that is so funny. Yeah, it's like the last person that you would think would dress (laughs) up for Halloween does it, you know, and he's just so out of place in the the actual uh, story chapter as well. Oh, my gosh, that made Uh, me laugh so hard. (laughs) Yeah, it's like pairing him up with Niles. That that was classic, you know, but... um, yeah, I, I guess it makes sense. I think that Halloween costumes are getting a little bit more, uh, less cloth, I guess, um, if we, to put it that way, uh, the more and more I, I see, the, the more and more revealing that they might be, and so I, I guess that's applying here as well to Dorcas, and uh, <laughs> definitely definitely a bold a bold move for a bold fighter. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to give him bold fighter as his B-slot skill as an armor unit. Just, yeah, just for his costume's sake, not... Yeah, give him bold fighter just for that. Yeah, so I think if I were to narrow it down, like I really love Dorcas's costume and everything, but I I don't know. I think it's I think he's breaking the rules a little bit with his costume. Uh, and the three choices, my top three would be Niles, uh, Jacob, and Henry for my top three. And what your top three were Jacob, Niles, and Dorcas. So I think uh, let's see, let's do some judges deliberation here. Do you have any thoughts about? who you would choose between all of these units. Yeah, you know, I like what you said about the dedication that Jacob made. I think he he puts together a really cool costume inside and out. His weapon adds a lot of cool effects as well uh, to the whole whole thing that he brings to the table. So if I had to choose between Niles and Jacob, which we are both in agreement in the top three, I might go with Jacob. Okay. I don't know if you're leaning that way as well. I think, you know, I might have chosen Henry, but I think the fact that he has a coffin with him is maybe disqualifying as well. (laughs) Uh, Very concerning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I don't want to encourage any kids listening (laughs) to this to go do the same thing for their Halloween costumes this year. Not a good costume choice. Don't don't do it. Um, And I, you know, I think I have to agree with you that I really like Jacob's costume. I think he really went all out. And has a lot of elements to it. And I think he pulls his costume off really well. So, And he's a really good unit in the game, too. No, we weren't factoring in their combat potential in, in this costume contest at all. But, uh, yeah, true. there's a lot of Halloween costumes that work out really well. It's really fun to have uh, units dressing up like this. And apparently, when a unit puts on a costume for Halloween, they become an armor unit. That, I guess so. Uh, if it's the actual costume itself, or if it's from all the candy they're eating, reducing their mobility, <laughs> somehow they become an armored unit. So, uh, yeah. So I think I think Halloween Jacob wins the costume contest, the first Phaeology Halloween costume contest. Uh, so congratulations to Halloween Jacob for that. Yes, and if we were able to give everyone a free copy of Jacob, we would. Um, but hopefully if they do come around with the banner, uh, best of luck on summoning for him or for any unit, uh, that you want from either banner, uh, as you desire. 
Yeah, because he he is going to be sharing a focus with Halloween Sakura if the Trick or Defeat ah. banner, Trick or Defeat uh, Halloween 2017 banner comes back. So I hope your luck is better than mine last year pulling <laughs> for him. Uh, I think I got like seven copies of Sakura before I got my first Ouch. Jacob. So. <laughs> Please have better luck and get a Halloween Jacob before before you have to use that many orbs to no, get seriously. Him. Uh well, well, best of luck there. Uh, but yeah, so um, with that, uh, with our costume contest at a close, uh, I think it's a good time to wrap up this episode. Uh, do you have any final uh, words or or comments before we sign out, Grabs? Yeah, so, I mean, we might talk about Halloween Dorcas in a separate episode since we didn't talk yeah. him in the, about him in this one. But it is very interesting that we're getting such a strong, you know, a set, another free armor unit. But also, he's a pretty strong unit. And we'll get more into him in his own episode. But uh, I think he's the unit with the highest base attack in the game. So I'm excited to either talk about him more or, you know, depending on time constraints, hear about him more if, if you cover him in a solo episode, Phil. Uh, because he is going to be an exciting unit to get access to, not not only because of his costume or lack thereof, but uh, also because of the type of unit and and the skills that he comes with and everything like that as well. So excited for that. But other than that, yeah, I will just send out my luck to everybody who is pulling on either of these Halloween banners. We assume the other Halloween banner will be back in just a few days. So good luck summoning on these banners and getting the heroes that you want to get. Yes. And happy summoning from me as well. And if you would like to reach out to us, if you have any questions or or comments, please do so at our subreddit at r slash phaeology. Uh, or you can reach us individually at phaeology at gmail.com or grepsteinfeh at gmail.com as well. And with that, thank you for listening. And we hope you schedule an appointment with us soon. Take care. <laughs>